Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Jerry, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. I got a question about, um, is it possible to remove some, um, like where someone has wrote in the concrete, is it possible to somehow sand that or fill it or do something with it to get rid of it? Or you just break the concrete up and pour some more? Well, it it depends on how deep they put it, to uh, to be honest with you. I mean, if it's right on the surface, then you could grind it down. But if it's, say, a half inch deep into it, you probably don't want to start grinding that much down. So, so how would you grind it down? Uh, they, you can, you can get a uh, two things. One, a rubbing stone, and it, it's really just a, a a stone that's on a handle. You can do it by hand that way. They make machines that can hold it as well, but that that looks like a big. Uh, Oh, like if you were waxing in the grocery store, a big walk-behind machine oh, like that. Yeah, this, I, I, is, this th- is not a big area. It's not a yeah. big problem. It's just something that needs to be removed. So a, a, your, what do you call that again, please? A rubbing stone. A rubbing stone. And yep, and where it's, would I it's, find something like it, that? It, it, you'll find it even at the box stores like Lowe's and Home Depot. Go over where uh-huh. the concrete stuff is, the concrete tools, oh. yes, and uh, they'll, uh-huh. they'll be there. Uh, they do make smaller tools. They also make a grinding head that can go on a like a side grinder, angle grinder, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that is kind of a diamond-headed type thing. Right. That's going to cost you a few bucks to get it, but that's a another way you can do it. And that's the reason if you know if it's not real deep, those rubbing stones actually go fairly well, and and you'll have some nice buff arms when you're done. <laughs> imagine all right i appreciate the tip all righty take it easy thank you sir sharon this is jim how can i help you yes um my son is purchasing a home and it has double pane windows but a few of the windows have uh, small cracks in them okay how do i replace those and who do i who needs to do that type of work well you, you got a choice uh you can go with a glass company who can come in and measure and make a new gr- glass pack for it, uh, or you can replace the whole window frame. Uh, are, how old a house is it? 2002. Okay, so these are probably the builder's windows still? Sure. Uh, in that case, in order to keep everything matched and looking the same, uh, you would be better off to go with, uh, a glass company to make a glass pack okay. for it. Okay. Okay. All right. And one other question. Um, the, um, like two of the doors go out to a patio and they're the uh, patio doors that have the solid glass. Can't you purchase the uh, inside louver glass and attach to that? Am I, do you know what I'm talking about? You're talking about the one that's got the mini blinds in it? Yes. Okay. 
Uh, if they're sliding glass doors, I have not seen the mini blinds for those. I have seen. No, they're it not for, sliding. The, it's they're, the French they're door. Single. Yes. Okay. Yes, they do make a uh, panel that can go over the existing glass and okay. has the the mini blinds in it, and that's available. I've seen it at both Lowe's and Home Depot. Is that something that's difficult to do? I mean, I'm no. pretty. Me and my husband are pretty handy, so we can help them. You know. Yeah. No, it, it's actually fairly easy to do. Uh, you know, when you look okay. around the window, you see it's got all the the the, the screw holes in it, and this right. thing just right. kind of click. It, it just clips on where those are at. No problems at okay. all. Okay. Okay. All right. That was my question. Thank you for your help. I appreciate it. You bet. You take care. Uh -huh. Bye. And again, our number is 713-212-5874. And the reason for the question on the windows, if those were replacement windows that were vinyl, I would have uh, said, let's uh, check on the, the window if we can find the, the tag on it. And typically, if it, you tilt the window in, you'll find a tag on it that'll tell you who the manufacturer was. And a lot of times they can make the glass pack and send it to you for replacement windows of that nature. But if the builder's uh, aluminum frame windows, that's normally not available to, to do that way. David, how are you today? Hello, Jim. Thanks for doing what you do. Oh, I have um, fun doing I've it. Got, great. I've got a, a house that I've lived in for more than 30 years, and, and it's built in the 80s before that. It's got a concrete patio in the backyard and just rather suddenly and i'm going to say maybe in the last two or three months i've noticed a cave-in in the patio up next to the foundation of the house um it's about four to six inches deep that the concrete has just caved in i would say it's about three feet along the distance of the foundation and it sticks out about 18 inches Okay. It's not in a place where it really bothers me, so I could just ignore it. I know that I could get it filled, but I didn't know if maybe I have the harbinger of some bigger problem that's going to end up eating up my whole patio or possibly threatening the foundation. And when you say it caved in, did the concrete actually crumble and, and start breaking off? It's, the concrete is broken into, I think, two or three pieces. If you just imagine an equilateral triangle about... Uh, 36 inches at the base and 18 inches tall with a dividing okay. line down the middle. That's approximately what's happened. And the okay. deepest part of it is right at the foundation, and then it spreads out from there. And, you've and never I don't had know if this matters. Repair. I have had foundation repair um, years ago, over a decade ago, and um, I don't think they put a pier in at that particular spot. So, um, you know, maybe that's the problem. Well, it's also, it sounds, I, I don't know if it matters, but it, it's right where the air conditioner is, too. So it's got a little bit of weight on it. Okay. Well, an air conditioner is fairly light. I mean, the the, the concrete really wouldn't. But it, it, it's not the pad that the air conditioner sits on, is it? No, but it's okay. right next to it. Okay. Well, you know, typically the concrete shouldn't break off like that i mean it's normally four inches thick it's got rebar or wire mesh in it and so it should be able to span even if the soil had washed away from underneath it 
uh, with no problem. So the first thing I'm going to say is if there wasn't a hole knocked in the concrete before for like doing foundation repair, because if, if, if they had access through it before to do the repair, it could be just a patch that's failing and that's no big deal. But if this is the original concrete, it, it kind of tells me that it probably wasn't poured as thick as it should be. And so it, it didn't handle when some soil eroded underneath it. So the secondary question is, what's causing the soil to move underneath there? Um, whether it's some type of animal dug underneath there, there's a leaking pipe of some kind causing it, but uh, something has changed that's caused you a soil problem in that area. Okay. Should I... Should I? Do you recommend getting somebody to excavate it and see what's going on? And if you do, would I get a foundation person? Uh, I mean, I have a lifetime warranty on the foundation, so I could call them or just a concrete patio person. Well, I don't think a patio person's going to be able to really solve anything. I think what I would probably do is break out where that um, spot is so I could see what the soil underneath it is doing. And that's probably going to tell you where it's going. Uh, is there any sewer lines or anything in that area? A bathroom no. or a kitchen or anything? It's over the it's over the utility room where the washer and dryer are. But okay. there, there shouldn't be any sewer there, I don't believe. Well, it, no, if, I, I take it back. If the washing the machine is there. The okay. Yeah, because I was going to say, if the washing machine is there, that has a sewer drain line on it. Yeah, I'm going to take that back. It's it's in the breakfast area of the kitchen, so there's not anything over that. Okay. Like that. Then what I would suggest is let's break out that patch, see what's underneath there. If we don't find anything, patch it back and and, and leave it at that. Uh, your Your foundation company can probably help you with that. Okay. So... I'm, I think I'm hearing you say that just ignoring it and hoping it, it doesn't mean anything. Well, no, I'm, I want to break do. it out and, and see what's down there and possibly okay. dig it up. But if we don't find anything, then I would say patch it back. John in West Houston, how can I help you today? Hey, Jim, very much appreciate you. So I'll start out with a compliment your way. Thank and you. wanted wanted to get your thoughts on... Um, the helping a uh, mother-in-law out on this and there's a section of her back fence i think it's probably eight feet so i'm guessing it's the wood fence two four by or probably two um two four by fours are probably um holding up the fence but anyway it it has caved in just one section I'll, I'll, i'll say roughly eight foot wide i'm thinking is and she'll eventually replace this whole fence more than just this one section is there any i'll call it band-aid kind of things that you would recommend to put those those posts back up or the pickets and what have you back up or any any general thoughts on that line i thought i'd run it by you first before i tried to put my own band-aid on it what what caused it to it i think it was like when I, i'm guessed yeah uh, yes okay. i don't think anybody ran into it so i think Probably those four by four posts probably gave way. I'm guessing, and uh, um, and thus down comes the that section of the pickets along with it. So. Right. 
So the the four by four posts, uh, did they break off, or did the concrete in the ground tip with them? Uh, I don't think it broke off, but it's probably at least bending. Uh, I'm guessing at least a part of the four by four post are there, but they might be leaning, and the and the probably the the two by fours are the part that broke off. I guess. Okay. Uh, well, that, that, know, that's that's fairly, fairly simple then. Um, you know, if if the uh, if the concrete in the ground that's around the post has leaned over some, you may have yeah. to dig on on the one side to straighten it back up. And if you go into the box stores, they're selling now a urethane foam for putting in like mailbox posts and stuff. You okay. literally could mix some of that up, drop it in there, and it'll expand and fill that void to hold the place, hold the uh, post up in place the way. It, yeah, so that would put your post back up. Uh, are the two by fours in the pickets? Are they shot from the from the fence, or are they reusable? I have. Uh, I'm actually on my way over to check it. I just thought I'd call you first. I don't know the okay. answer to that. But, so, uh, but I like that idea. If you, if you say there's rather than trying to dig up the concrete and and um, and put a new plant a new post in there, that there's some foam that that maybe yeah. you dig around a little bit to kind of straighten it up, and and that would firm yep. it up, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And so well, after that, uh, you know, chances are the two by fours are probably going to be shot. But the pickets yeah, yeah. typically are, are still good. So you buy a couple of two-by-fours, run those between the, the posts again, and nail the pickets back up, and you'll probably be done. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. On that, that quick set or whatever, is that uh, that foam, is that take a, how long does that take to dry and be relatively firm? Is that it a day or two, or is it minutes? Wow. Yeah, it's, okay, it's real quick. Uh, you mix it up, you dump it, and... Uh, you're back working on it in in just a few minutes. You don't got time to drink oh, a lemonade wow. or a beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, although I'd rather do that. But uh, so that that's it. so you would kind of to just straighten up that post, uh, dig yep. around it where that foam can adhere to the ground and to that four by four. Yeah, post, you'll, you'll want to plumb that, the post back up, and that that'll leave you a void yeah. on one side, and that's where you just oh, okay. dump that stuff in there and let it expand up and. That's done. Uh-huh. Well, I knew you'd have a good tip. Uh, what, what, where, what is that stuff? If you go in those big box stores, I know they're uh, obviously they're, they're big stores. Is it around the yeah. lumber section, or where would that be? I it'd be typically around where the mailbox stuff is sold. Where the mailbox stuff is sold. Okay, okay. And and the name of it again is just uh, what what'd you call it? Actually, I believe Quickcrete is who makes it, and. Uh, it's just a an expansive foam. They usually have a pretty good size display going on it, so it'll gotcha. it'll be hard to miss. Okay, well, thank you, buddy. You're the best. Thank you so much you, for your time. Thank you, sir. You take care. This comes from Patricia in Seabrook, and she says remodeling home. Need to replumb the entire home. Four new countertops, four new sinks, two new bathtubs, new gas range, and new dishwasher. And she's asking, I guess, for uh, what kind of what kind of contractor to call. Well, you, when you got all these different things going like this, you kind of got some choices here to make. 
And that's really what I wanted to go over real quick because you start talking about new gas range, new dishwasher. So now you're talking appliances. Uh, when you're talking about replumbing the entire home, you're talking about dealing with a plumber. You got countertops, you got sinks, bathtubs. So you, your choices are going to be to hire a general contractor who's going to hire people to come in and do all these things for you. He's going to go out and or maybe help you pick a range and a dishwasher and, and get them installed. Or you hire the contractors and you go to the appliance store and pick out what you want and have it installed because like the gas range and the dishwasher you know typically the plumber who's going to replumb the house can hook those up for you then you're just talking about having somebody come in and do the countertops and the sinks and bathtubs which again the plumbing company can do for you so yeah if you're getting into something like this you got to look at all the different things and make the decision do you want to be the the general contractor or do you want to hire one obviously if you hire one it's going to cost you a little bit more but it takes a lot off your plate so that's kind of the decisions that you got to make when you're looking at a remodeling job just a reminder it's a huge help if you subscribe to rate and review the podcast it helps people find us you know they're, they're finally bringing the trades back into the high schools not everybody needs to go to college some of us want to work in the trades uh you know the automotive that's a great one um you know a lot of times electrical is one that's available and the state of texas plumbing came out with a new thing that was it was approved several years ago but it, it's really taken them until this year to get it rolling where students who want to become plumbers they can sign up in, in the class in their freshman year, and by the time they graduate high school, they've got a journeyman plumbing's license. You know how much journeyman plumbers make? These, these kids will make a great living while they're journeyman plumbers and can be studying for their master's. Once they've got their master's, they can open up their own plumbing shop if they want not everybody needs to go to college and just it, it, it and for you guys who are kind of interested uh, i know we don't have a lot of high schoolers listening to the show but parents if you have uh kids who are interested in the trades and wanting to have their own business someday i highly recommend that they study accounting and they study office education and stuff like that while they're in high school still i will tell you up front that's what I did. I, I took uh, office education classes. I, I did all my accounting classes. Um, I had no intention of going on to college. I was going to be a contractor. And quite frankly, it has been a, a great life for me. And it can be still for a lot of people because we let the trades go for so many years. There is a huge shortage of whether it you know and and, and it not all of them require license in texas you don't need a license unless you're doing electrical plumbing air conditioning uh, those require licensing but most of the other things if you're doing framing roofing siding windows all this other stuff no license is required 
But if you're going to not go to college, take the classes to be capable of running your business while you're in high school. Now, I did go on uh, after high school in night classes to do additional accounting classes and different things like that for for uh, learning to run the business. But I'm telling you, it, it's been a great life, and, and it can be still uh, because, you know, back when I did it, a lot of people were going into the trades instead of school. And, and then we got it into our heads that everybody needed to go into high, into college, and now we're running short on, on the trades. And, and quite frankly, a lot of times they can make a better living in the trades than you can doing other things that you get a college degree for. Uh, Stephen Carrollton. He's asking about painting kitchen cabinets that were originally stained. He says, we have kitchen and bath cabinets originally constructed with ash fronts that were lacquer stained. What is the procedure and what type of paint would you recommend to apply so the paint would adhere to the lacquer finish? We enjoy your show very much and thank you very much for any advice. Well, Steve, uh, the first thing you want to do is make sure to clean the cabinets real good. You know, we we get uh, oil and and steam comes up, and we get uh, stuff that's in the steam onto the cabinets. So we need to clean them real good. Then use a deglosser on them. Uh, Peso makes a deglosser that I've used for years, uh, but any type of deglosser that can be applied to it. And what that does is it takes that sheen off and allows the paints to stick. So after you've deglossed it, you need to prime it, and then you can paint it. Your choices are going to be whether you want to spray it or roll it or brush it. Um, you know, And that really depends on the texture, uh, or not really the texture, the the design of the cabinet itself. You know, if you've got a lot of uh, nooks and crannies and stuff, you're going to want to spray it. If it's all smooth, then you can get away with uh, rolling, brushing, or, or spraying, however you want to handle it. Um, as far as what type of paint, you know, the tried and true is still an oil-based paint, but they're getting extremely difficult to find. Uh, nowadays, they use a lot of... Uh, Accolade type paints, it, it's still a water-based paint, but it's got additives in it for doing trim and stuff. A caution to anybody listening right now, though, if you've already got oil-based paint on something, stay with the oil-based paint. You put anything else on top of it, it'll peel, and you, that doesn't do you any good. And uh, that's one of the reasons, even in the situation that you're in, uh, going over that lacquer, I would still use an oil base uh, simply because it's going to adhere better. Uh, you'll have less problems with its uh, scratching and, and stuff like that down the road. Because when you refinish cabinets this way, they look gorgeous. And, and I'm not trying to scare anybody from doing this. It holds up well, but it is a little softer than when it was originally applied when the cabinets were built. So you do have to take... A little bit of care with them. Carol, this is Jim. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. I have an odor in my bathroom and j just can't get rid of it. Years ago, the toilet, when you sat on it, it would just move. And I had a plumber come in 
and he said they were like levels below. And uh, anyway, he took the uh, toilet off, and he he said, "Oh, the cement is going a little bit upward, and that usually isn't the way it's supposed to be." But anyway, he replaced whatever levels it out, and it's been okay. And I forgot to ask him about the uh, odor because we were just using something in the bathroom for it. But I would really like to fix it properly. Do you have any suggestions? What kind of odor is it? Does it smell like sewage or uh, uh, mildew? More like sewage, I should think, rather than mildew. Okay. Uh, and the reason I ask that, it, it, it sends us in a different direction looking for what we're looking for. Um, and how old a house? Uh, 22 years old. Okay, so you got PVC plumbing in it then. Um, I, I'm My initial thought, the first place I would look is the waste and overflow on the bathtub. Okay. Uh, because if that uh, comes loose or goes bad, you can start getting sewer gas, and that sounds like what you've got happening. Okay. Do they have to take the bathtub out to check no, that? No, ma'am. No. Um, a lot of times there's an access panel behind the tub at the end where the, the drain is, and they're able to check it right through that. Oh, now, okay. If it goes on to an outside wall or something like that, it won't be there. But uh, and you know, some builders don't install it when they put it in. Uh, if it's against the wall into a bedroom or a closet, but in those situations, they can just cut a hole in the sheetrock and they make a little access panel door that can go on it. Uh, but that gives you access to service that area because that is an area that does periodically need some attention. We're going to head out to Weatherford. Kim, welcome to WBAP. How can I help you? Hey, thank you so much for taking my call. My pleasure. So I have a sprinkler system that hits the side of my house, and I am assuming minerals in the water are turning my brick white. And yep. I've noticed my neighbors have the same problem. And I started off with the power wash and then soap and wash and then tried a little bleach, tried a little lime away. I can't get it off. Any suggestions? I hate to tell you this, but there's not a whole lot you can do about it because that those mineral deposits soak down into the pores of the brick. And it's basically uh, staining it. it it's not going to come off. All right. Is we, there something we, I should do to prevent it from getting yes. worse? The, the sprinkler heads need to be adjusted to where the water is not hitting the house. And that, that's really the only thing you can do with it. Uh, what I, A lot of times what I tell people to do is instead of having sprinkler heads in your flower beds, use drip irrigation, and that way you avoid all this. Uh, and you can still hook it up to take care of all the plants in the flower bed but uh and you can still run those when we do water rationing so that would be my uh recommendation maureen in richmond uh has a question about a reliable fencing company i'd like the name of a reliable fencing company 
my neighbor and I had gotten three quotes from local guys, one actually a fence company, the other tree trimmers and yard guys, around the time that the virus showed up. Things shut down, prices of wood skyrocketed. We're attempting to try it again, but have made appointments and the contractors don't show up for the bid. Okay. Common problem. You know, uh, first, what, what can I say other than shame on the contractors? You make an appointment, you need to show up for it. The unfortunate thing is a lot of contractors, they will book appointments, overbook, and then cherry pick what they want to go to. Um, what's probably going against you is if you call any of those three that you had previously called, they probably have records that they came out bid and the work wasn't done. And they're thinking they're wasting their time and that's going to put you down on the list. So <clears throat> that could be part of the problem that you're running into. The other part is, yes, you need to stick with a fencing contractor, not tree trimmers, not the yard guy, but a fencing contractor because there are certain things you need to do to properly install a fence that they necess don't necessarily follow or know. Uh, one of the big ones, a lot of people don't realize this, but yes, you are supposed to have permits for fencing. Now, some cities don't require it, but most cities do. And part of what they're going to want, and this is so you can get your stuff ready, is going to be a copy of the survey showing exactly where the fence line is and if there's an existing fence, where it's at on the survey. Uh, and what they're trying to do is just avoid problems with fences crossing boundary lines. Now, I will tell you up front, it's not uncommon for fences to be off the line. And if it's pre-existing, the things that can change, you know, what what you've got to do is whether you're just replacing the pickets or having to replace the post and, and everything. You know, if you're just replacing pickets, the rails are there, the... The uh, posts are there. Most of the time, they're going to let you just go ahead and, and put it back the way it is. But if you're going to have to replace the post and everything, you ought to move it onto the property line uh, as much as possible. Now, sometimes there's reasons it's off property line, and you may have to adjust for that. One of the other things that they the reason they require the survey and, and all that is going to be easements. You know, a lot of houses have an easement that runs on the backside, for instance, if you're by a ditch or where there's power poles and, and things like that. And sometimes people will put their fence out over the easement, uh, and, and that's fine. Uh, other municipalities won't allow that. And so you got to know that up front. One of the things to keep in mind, if you do put a fence out over the easement, a lot of times... If they've got to come in and do anything with the easement, like, uh, you know, let's say it's for a water main or power line or whatever. If the fence has to come out in order for them to do work, it's on your dime. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that, but it can run that way. Uh, and so they're, they're just trying to avoid having those kind of problems. Anyways... 
Uh, as far as somebody who can do it, I got to be honest, I don't have a fencing contractor that I have checked out uh, in the Houston area or down in Richmond, being more specific, that I could say, hey, uh, yeah, give this guy a call and I think he'll be able to, to help you out with it. So uh, I wish I had better news for you on that, but uh, unfortunately I don't. I'm really just going to probably caution you on call fencing contractors uh, and let them take a look at it. You'll, you'll be better off in the long run. How would I hang blinds inside mount that don't have an overhead beam or support to mount the installation brackets? I have windows that are one piece with an arch at the top so there's no place to drill the brackets into place as with regular square windows. Thank you in advance. Okay. Well, you actually do have a place because most of the window shades, uh, when you buy them, have two sets of brackets. One, or the, the bracket that you get is interchangeable for this, I guess I should say. One, it can be mounted to where you're screwing up into a cap on top. With an arch, you don't have that option. But almost all of them have the option of screwing into the sidewall of the window. And there will be uh, two-by-fours in there in order to be able to screw into. So you definitely can do it. Now, here's the, here's the issue you got to watch. When you're using the side mount ones, you know, where you're, you're screwing it straight into the sidewall of the window uh, frame there, you got to be a little more precise on your measurements. Because if you cut it too short... Uh, it won't hang in the bracket. You cut it too long, obviously, uh, it's an issue. So you do have to get a little bit closer on your measurements when doing it that way. Uh, the secondary thing you got to keep in mind is the arch is not going to have the window shade. So they do make a, like a fan type, uh, uh, oh, I guess covering that you can put in. Uh, on top of your regular window shades. Uh, they do have stuff like that, but it's not going to be where the window shade will go up and down. Uh, but one other thing I will tell you, there is something behind that arch. It, it's uh, The sheetrock doesn't just hang there by itself. It had to be attached to something. So uh, there will definitely be something back there I just don't know that you can attach anything to it. Uh, and it's definitely not going to be like a header beam above the window. Uh, so now the, there is a lot of times a header beam above the arch. And then what, what arches makes the arch itself is just like a, a thin piece of plywood or something. Uh, so, But there, there definitely will be something in there. You just don't necessarily want to be trying to attach anything to it. So hopefully that helps you out. But on the shades itself, yeah, just uh, side mount them. Um, almost all of them are You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.